Connors T. How are ye? My name is Surika, and I'm one of the co-founders of Candlelit Tales. We tell stories from Irish mythology to original music. In this episode, you'll be hearing our discussion about King Mongan, which was live-streamed on YouTube. We live-stream these conversations regularly on YouTube, talking about the stories we tell and what they mean to us. If you'd like to be part of future conversations, and to chip in with your questions and observations, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us Sundays at 7pm UTC. And if you've missed seeing our faces, you can pop over to the YouTube channel now to watch this conversation there. Follow us on our social media to be reminded of our next live-streamed conversation or event, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss anything. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at candlelittales, and for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get these stories out to more people. But if you're able to give us some more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. But for now, enjoy the conversation. I think we might be live with a little bit of delay. Uh, if not, great. I'll take yeah, that as. There we go. Go. Kidding, going live on YouTube. There'll be a little bit of a lag, but you're feck it. Right. Start with three minutes late. Look at that. It's terrible, isn't it? Bad timing. Oh, my for God. Us. Shocking. I mean, in fairness, I was outside looking at the sky, and the sky is pretty lovely. And yeah, I hope looking at your sky or having a chance to look at the sky sometime wherever you are, wherever you're listening to it. Um, Sorica, we're going to delve into this post-show chat all about King uh, Mangan. You were looking forward to this one, and I might as well literally ask you straight off the bat before we do any talking um, <laughs> to explain your relationship with Dove Lack and why you love her so much. Because <laughs> I know there's a bit of a... She's just great. Listen, I think for context, just in case like some people haven't had a chance to listen to King Mongan, maybe we should uh, give a little bit of background first. Because this is the story of one of the allegedly greatest kings who doesn't really do very much. <laughs> um, which is kind of hilarious to me. I think that one of the first times I actually told this story to a group, the main like feedback was why is this guy so passive like why doesn't he do anything until somebody comes along and goes hey this is messed up you need to do something about it and then he kind of goes all right yeah and then does magic um but anyway mongan is we we heard about his conception last week uh he's he's technically fathered by Mananon mclear although he is legally i guess the son of the king of ulster and uh, he marries Dovlaka, which is an arranged marriage. They're born on the same day. Uh, she's the daughter of the co-king of Ulster. Both of their fathers switch. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And uh, Mongan decides that he's going to go on a tour of Ireland for the purpose of getting 
gifts from other kings um because that was like a thing in ireland <laughs> somebody with very high status you showed your appreciation for them by giving them stuff so he kind of like proposes this to his chieftains and lords and he's like look i'm gonna go i'm gonna get loads of cool stuff and i'm gonna bring it back and divvy it up and on the way he sees a magnificent herd of cows and he says oh they're lovely about the right cows. white cows with red ears man we said they'd be, there'd be more this time there's a whole herd last week it was one this week, it's a whole herd of them. Um, and he says he wants what he, he wants them. And the King of Leinster, who owns them, says, you can have them if you give me friendship without refusal, which is another version of this like bargain without knowing thing that we came up against last week as well. And so Mongan agrees. And uh, the King of Leinster's favour that he asks for is Mongan's wife, Devlaka. And... That's the first moment where Dovlaka really gets to shine in this story. I guess, yeah. So, like, Dovlaka obviously is very, very smart, very intelligent. It's it's a funny story because, like, that's, by the way, the kind of brief overview, obviously. And know, the brief overview of, like, the first bit of it. And then I was like, well, let's talk yeah. about this bit. And then we can summarize the that's, next bit. Then we can talk about the next look, bit. I got. I, I do actually have a plan for this conversation. Don't worry. We'll get to the talking points. There is a lot of talking points. Basically, it's a really interesting story because constantly changing the narrative structure and it's just constantly adding an extra little detail, an extra little swing. There's always a plot point to follow, and it's kind of hard to follow. But we'll get the we'll get the how we talk about and how we analyze stories in a little bit. I do want to literally get cut to the chase, right? Because Mangan basically messes up his wife is down in Dublin and, or Leinster, let's just, whatever. And he has to rescue her. No, but he's in an illness. He's sleeping. He's just gone numb. And Dovlaka, and she does something cool first. But first of all, we have to talk about breasts on the table as a motivation tactic. Playing Fitchell and just deciding to point Mangan in the right direction. <laughs> she feels like he needs some motivation. So she gets her tits out. And he's like, <laughs> don't you miss me? And he goes, actually, I really do. I mean, that's the first <laughs> hilarious thing. The first hilarious thing, and I do want to, I want to come back to the first moment. Go on, go on, go on, do it, do You know, obviously she also gets her tits out as a way of motivating her husband. <laughs> I just, I had to say it first. Okay. I know, I know. I'm not shocked that that's your favorite thing she does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's great. I think she's awesome. But like, yeah. so from her, from her perspective, um, she doesn't really know Mongan all that well. Uh, they grew up apart. They got married when they were 16. They were born on the same day. So there's this kind of like deep connection there uh, on one level. But another level, they don't know each other very well. And one of the first things he does when he's the king of Ulster is he kills her father. And her perspective on this is like, no, you should kill him because he, he did the wrong thing by killing your father. And therefore you're justified to do this. So she's like, She's someone with this kind of massive integrity towards the, the code of honor and like how things should be mm. done. Like she's a real queen. She's really aware of like whatever we do reflects on us, reflects on Ulster, reflects on everybody. So like there's a side of her that's like almost cold in her, in her adherence to sort of custom and rule. But then she's also just brilliantly intelligent. Like, here comes the King of Leinster with his entire army to visit them and bring the herd of cows. And he says, oh, by the way, the thing that I'm asking you for is your wife. 
and it's it's the kind of thing that people go to war over it's the kind of helen of troy thing that like could easily escalate into bloodshed and violence and she just stops it right there by first saying to mongan you gave your word and we're we're adhering to your word and then going to brandov and saying i'm deeply in love with you and in order for you to prove your love to me you have to put me in a separate house and not touch me for a whole year and then if you do that i will believe that you are as in love with me as i am with you and then we can get married and like he's so egotistical that he fucking believes her like she has the measure of this guy she knows to play to his ego she knows to play to his honor and like she just sews up the situation so neatly and is like okay mong and you have a year you have a year to get us out of this that's your job i did my job Right, I paused. I put I put pause in the attack and the instant thread. Oh, just neutralized. Okay, I think it's something yeah. great. Um, and it's a really the whole story is a really interesting look at what is wise and what what is the wisdom of Mangan because he feels seems like a fucking numpty, and yet Mananon like so at the very start of the story, the setup is an interesting construct. Even to look at it, if, if you're talking about how. The, the king used to represent the land and how the story at the beginning has a fractured kingship that is some way shared. It some way f- seems to work when it's good, but when it goes bad, obviously, you know, the, the Fionn gets killed by Fionn. It's, it's the souring of that relationship. It's the souring of the land. The people are angry. It's, it's, it's more turmoil around the place. And then suddenly... Mangan can he's kind of like gifted back after like yeah not enough yeah he's sixteen still like <laughs> yeah. you know I love love how he's just like a little kid thrown into this but he couldn't have been given back to an un- unrest you know a, a state filled of like anxiety and anger before he was able for it yeah and it's interesting as well that like he is given back at sixteen but Mananon Mananon holds on to him for longer than mm. people of Ulster want like they want him back. And, and Mananon initially exactly. says, you're not getting him back till he's 12. And then subsequently says, no, I'm keeping him till he's 16. So like, there is that kind of thing of like, he's, he's held back and he's protected from this. Um, but as you say, I mean, I think that's one of the things about Mongan. Mongan, I think is a little bit like, to me, he's a little bit of a Hamlet type character in that there's an awful lot of time that he spends in the story not acting. Like he's, he, he spends most of the story not doing anything. Doing anything, like, right? Just that thing of, thinking know, about wife, it. My wife has been kidnapped. I, I don't know what to do about it. I know I'm going to go to bed for three months. Or talk to skulls and ask them. Yeah, like it's that thing of just like yeah. you can, and you can kind of see it of somebody who's because he's immensely powerful, right? Like mm-hmm. when, when he and uh, Mackendall first, like Mongan's manservant, who's married to Dovlaka's ma- uh, maidservant, when they first go to Leinster to visit the, their wives, um, they see two priests walking along the road. Mackendall has never seen books before. He doesn't know what the, the main, the head priest is doing. Mongan... Hilarious scene. Which is an hilarious, absolutely hilarious scene. I did not make any of that up. I just, I just got it from the translation. I loved it. Um, Mongan puts a river in front of them. He puts a genuine real-life river in front of them and washes them a mile down the road. And not only that, he does know how to read. <laughs> this is not a literate mm-hmm. society. 
But at some mm. point in his childhood, Manon McLear taught him how to read and taught him how to right. read Latin. And so he's able to pick this book up. And like, I, I, I kind of condense that scene a little bit, but there's a whole scene there where he like blags his way past Brandov and the nobles of Leinster in the guise of the priest. No way! Why'd yeah. you skip that part? <laughs> it's a long, confusing, rambly story. <laughs> yeah, it's a long, confusing, rambly story. It is, but but like that's again, like to, to hone in on something that's very important. Like he has magic. He's 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 one of the two a day. And in basically, his father's man on McLear, so he's like he's not one of them, but he's fucking kind of like you know he's Manon not far off. He's the son of one. Man, we, yeah, we yeah. Manon is not Sorry. entirely is is not entirely one of the two a day himself. Um, and also, I guess. there's there's less, I think, distinction between. It's, I think it's less about the bloodline. It's more about the the way he's raised. I think it's more the fact that he grows up in the land of promise. Sure, I mean that's kind of more what I mean. I guess I get stuck actually and make the mistake of calling the magic people the two of the Danon, but there were a number of peoples that had magic in the land of Ireland and, and come book, and book, like, book or come back into the book invasions. You see that and Manolan is predates them all, and so yeah, of course. But like what I like mean is sons, one of the sons the, of Mill have magic, like the the Celtic yeah, magic. Yeah. They come to Ireland with magic. They're no relation to to the magic people. So there's a kind and of yet the, funny thing with magic and Irish myth. But what what's really interesting here is this is the first timeline, and it's really landing it into the fact that the kings and queens of Ireland at the time don't have magic, but religion is here. So the church is the first. It's like one of the first times. There's a few instances in, in um, like the, uh, the Children of Lear, and there's a couple of church bells in uh, Bran or the Voyage of Bran. There's a few other the in the cycle, but the other main one that we have told where the Oshin and uh, there's Oshin but no there's also the one um, oh uh, Maildun the Voyages Maildun yeah Maildun Voyages is, yeah is a very kind of um, on the on the cusp of that pagan Christian kind of transition and yeah this that's is right one. but yeah no to, to let me form the question is like it's actually interesting because I've noticed the, uh, the things happened before with, with religion uh, and not been struck by this because there's a, there's a seeming, because it's in the King story, I'm divergently creating this question, sorry. Um, okay, I'm going to get some water, but the, I can still hear you. Okay, good. Okay, so uh, paying attention to what's going on in my head. Uh, what in What's in the society is uh, a kingdom and kingdoms and warring tribes and all the rest of it, but the church is now instigated there and heavily respected within the society it's portraying. And yet, we have this kind of power balance being shown by the kings and the clerics because they're on the same status as like the bards all of a sudden and they're elevated into this. And what, so what's the kind of relationship between paganism and Christianity when we, when we come across them, when we kind of come across Christianity yeah. in myths? Well, that's, that's a really interesting one. And like the status is not simple because this is like, and you can see it in this story. Here is a cleric who's a cleric, and he, here, is his, here is his kind of person who walks along behind him saying amen in response to the Psalms. The King of Leinster is clearly Christian. Dovlaka is like giving her confession to a priest. And there is no contradiction between this and the fact that Mangan is the son of Manon Maglir. And so you can see yeah, yeah. kind of syncretism happening here, actually, where it's not necessarily in conflict. Like, it's not about, and, and that's a thing that also happened in kind of Irish Christianity anyway. People didn't stop believing in the other world and the fairies. They just, 
folded it in to the Christian belief. So like the fairies became the good people, became the little people, um, and, and were kind of reduced in importance. But they were, they were ne- there was never a question in the Irish kind of, the, the, in the mind of the Irish peasant, there was never a question, but they were still there. And it was never a choice between religion, uh, you know, Christianity and superstition. The two went completely hand in hand. Um, and I think that's, that's something that you see in this because it's not about, it's not about the Christians here displacing, uh, you know, they're not, they're not running after Mongan and trying to burn him at the stake because he can conjure a magic river. Like they don't have that kind of power relationship in the society either. And like, there's, there's interesting things in history that happened. Like, um, if you ever got a chance to go to Mellifont Abbey, uh, it was one of the first, it was built by French monks and it was one of the first stone buildings in Ireland. And uh, the chieftains of Ireland, one of the reasons it became incredibly wealthy was that all the chieftains of Ireland came there. And the thing to do in Ireland is to give gifts. So in order to show their status, they started giving this like monastery of poor stoneworking monks just herds of cattle and hives of bees and piles of gold and it completely changed things for the monks because suddenly they had this wealth and suddenly they had this status that they that they wouldn't have like so so there's a weird thing that happens in Ireland and in Christianity it's very much over time and stuff um but yeah I mean I think like there was also a tradition in Ireland of having a learned class that we already had where the Philips, which was kind of like the the Brehans and the Olives uh, and the poets and the Druids, um, the the clerics, as they're usually called in mythology, just folded into that. They became mm. one of the learned classes, and they gradually started displacing the Druids. I suppose once you give all the money and the gold and the respect to the one side and the piles up and it's the new shiny thing, and God knows we do love a new shiny thing, like um, yeah. you know, and like and then they started giving it back. And then they yeah, started, yeah, yeah. you know, spreading their wealth around. And then, and then it kind of like, it became a thing. Anyway, that's just, that's one story about okay. how that happened in one particular place in Ireland. Um, right, okay. Yeah. But like, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting transition. And it, this is one of those stories that's like, it's, it's there. Um, and there's right, a lot okay. of stories where it's, it's, it's just there. There's a cleric, there's God. They're not necessarily in conflict with each other. Now it's interesting as well because there it, there does seem to be a a, a skewed a grey area ish element with them. Mongan's morals in this now. If we kind of look at the church's moral standing on a few things, you know, you wouldn't say Mongan's very. Uh, he's killing people left right like he's, he he went and killed his uh, uncle. Took well, revenge. I hope I hope Fiakrdov isn't his uncle because if Fiakrdov is his uncle, Zablak is his cousin. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> but then again, story we can't entirely it? rule it out because medieval it, times they were a bit incesty sometimes. Yeah, I just kind of fake or fion, fake or dove. I just thought, ah, they probably just got bored yeah. and called woman fair one dove. But yeah, I don't know. Okay, I mean, you know what? it's also kind of hard to tell with babies if they're going to be if they're going to be fen or dove. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you both yeah. big red till you grow up. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't get a name. Yet. You'll get a name later when your hair grows in. 
It's not a bad way to do it. Don't <laughs> form any attachment. Don't don't identify yourself to your name. You are just another fake rat. You'll yeah. go out and claim your name in the wells of I don't know paganism. Yeah. Um, so or yeah, he goes, if that's the most notable thing about you, we'll just call you after your hair. Be grand. So hair. the the other little tipping point, and like this is kind of going into the structure of stories a little bit, and it's such an interesting one after talking about it last week, is the cow red ear, red ears, you know, that trope. And it's almost like a little signal. It's almost like a he's behind you moment. It's almost a little like we get the script here, like something magic is going to happen. You know, it's not going to be a good idea. It's it, or even it's just an alert to like nothing magic does happen, but I mean, it's a kind of they're not magic cows. They don't do anything magic. They're just cool. Yeah, which is hilarious because it's just Mang and loves them and thought things. Oh my god, they're magical. He's a big softy. Like he just thinks they're amazing. He just thinks these are Great. amazing cows, and I want them. But like, which is which is again, like I said, it's hilarious. It's that thing of like, you never quite know where the magic is going to come from in an Irish myth because it's never that simple. <laughs> it's never oh, here's a race of magic people and nobody else gets to have magic, and it's never like oh, white cows that red ears can fly, but no other cows can. Like you don't know where it's coming from, and this is like a particularly fine herd of cattle. And at the end of the story. It's a particularly fine herd of cattle. And once the bargain is made, they're not mentioned again. Yeah. Like, they don't come back into it. They don't, you know, they're just, they're just good cows. This is also a culture that was very, very, very heavily into cattle. Like, your, your currency was cattle. Your wealth was cattle. A herd of, a herd of any cattle, like, of any, of any cows of the size... And it's an unusual thing, like in fairness, if he was grown up with all the stories and all of the things that we've heard, then like, in fairness, you know, like I would also think and assume that they're magic cows. And if you grew up in the land of promise and you saw the magic stuff, you'd probably be like, they're definitely magic cows. So uh, can I have them? Like, Or even just like, hilarious. they're the cows that I remember from my childhood. That's what cows look like. That's what, that's what you know, maybe there's something nostalgic about these cows. I don't know. It's just kind of. Could always be a little like kind of instigated that maybe a man and I went up and like made the crowds appear just to test them. Maybe it was. Maybe. Um, but yeah, like the, the white cows with red ears come into it again just as a kind of a, a an object that gets the story going and gets that like bargain without knowing made. Um, and then the other big instigator character in this is Macandall. Macandall, yeah. So, because he gets him, well, I was going to ask about the wasting sickness because what the hell is that about? He just, listen, he just gets overwhelmed and he has to go to bed for three months. I don't know about you and everybody watching, but the idea of the, like, everything has gone to shit. You did something incredibly stupid. You have to fix it and you have a year. It seems entirely like something I would do to go to bed <laughs> for 11 months and 20 days and like 29 days and then get up on the last day and fix it all. I mean, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't encourage it. Um. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm like that. But at the same time, the more I think about Mongan, the more I'm like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like he's not the only one who would do that. 
because <laughs> he does pull it off. He pulls it out of the bag at the eleventh hour on the and day. There's the also kind of nothing he can literally do. And it's kind of a testament to how much he loves her, how much he's literally... Well, I mean, like, also, presumably, he's been a really shit king, which you kind of mentioned quite, quite funnily. Um, like, obviously, everyone's going to war because he's been such a shit king. And well, yet... And yet... And yet... You know, and, and he can't do anything anyway. So he just doesn't, you know, doesn't feck anything else up too bad. And um, he decides, right. You know, again, this is something, I think there's also something in this, uh, in the symbology of this, of like, you know, he's still a young king. He's not quite mm. there yet. He's not quite ready yet. And yeah. like, I think the turning point for Mangan is the moment when the, when the nobles of Ulster go to him and say, we'll go to war for you. And he says, no. I think that's the moment where he actually steps into being a king. Because that's the moment when he like, fully takes responsibility for it and goes, no, I, I, I lost her. This was my fault. I did this through my foolishness. I am not, nobody is to die because of it. I am going to fix this by my wit or not at all. And like, that's the, that's like, it's like he clicks into gear then and he actually goes and like sorts it out. I don't know that there's nothing he could have done before that. Like, he does come up with a particularly elegant solution, but like he manages to sneak in and see them a fair, a fair few times. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, he's well able. Like, isn't it? That's what's so kind of meandering about about the uh, about the story. You know, it's so funny because like, and I guess in terms of like how you listen, and we talked about this a lot. How you listen to a story, uh, and the more of mythology we seem to dissect and analyze and look at and read. And, you're realizing how an oral tradition of story goes and how it's constructed with a beat, a beat, a new name. And like you have to really have the characters well-rounded in your head for the listening and for the imagery. And to kind of follow it along, it's like, it's a, it's a great one to re-listen to, you know, because I listened to when I was driving and, uh, you know, I was getting asked a couple of questions and had to find some, um, what you call it, directions to find where I was going, whatever. But I was like, I missed a couple of beats because I talk to you about it, I, you know, you know what's happened. You see the cause, and therefore, or you might have missed the cause, but you see the effect. And yet, if if you miss out a, a beat, and you're not used to it, or you don't know the rough outline of it, you can be lost. You can be lost in the listening. And one of the most important aspects of storytelling is kind of listening, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things that you that you learn. The more stories that you listen to and retell, the more you realize, yeah the listening is a skill and also the filtering the way you listen because you you learn to listen for what is the what is the narrative beat here regardless of the kind of flourish or the or the you know language or the description or whatever there can be loads of that stuff and it doesn't really matter one way or another then there or not and and yet the story gets very very sparse if there's none of it in there um so yeah you kind of start to listen you start to listen for what's important and this was kind of i did consider cutting down the year because i think when i told this before i've only had the macandov the first intervention by macandov where he you know he and mongan go and impersonate the priests because that's hilarious that's a little wrong hilarious right. so good and you think that's the end of the story like you think and you can't believe that it's back again and it's back again and it's back and again you know 
that and that was it was it was it was when I was sitting down to kind of look at it and decide how I was going to tell it for the podcast that I was like yeah but there's a there's like there's a kind of a three times thing where he's pushed yeah. out to do something and he's pushed out to do something and he's pushed out to do something and it doesn't work mm. and it doesn't work and it doesn't work and then it's when he decides himself to own it and to fix it and it's because that's the first time he does something that isn't motivated by somebody else that's kind of the first time he does something that isn't somebody asking him to do something and him going along with it because they ask him to go yeah. and he says no and so I yeah. decided that was kind of why I decided to leave it in because I was like I think the you know repetition in oral storytelling mm. we're there's not a reason like there's a reason and we're not as used to it I think because um it doesn't work as well in written storytelling mm. Like, but it's funny that like, you can kind of zone out, like you can literally zone out or, or be lost for a second. Trust me, I tried today. Um, and listen to it and then go, oh yeah, um, I missed that. The first time I listened to it, I missed the um, little thing that uh, Dovlaka says to the King of Leinster. But then at the very, uh, I tuned in, I was like, oh yeah, no, right, okay, clearly this is Dovlaka's sweeping intervention that she's going down here. And you see it and you're like, oh man, there are so many beats in the story and it keeps on popping off a new thing to stay at it, to stay and tune in for little episodes, little um, kind of side stories, little yeah. legs, little jokes, little fantastic intervals that are just like, our kind of intersections and stuff that are like really interesting and has this whole like wisdom of the other world kind of subtle veil over it. It's like, okay. is everything he does wise? It's very subtle, but it becomes like, like we're talking about. That's the ultimate. He doesn't do anything because to do it, to do anything would, would cause a war. What he does is the most. Like he sits with a very strong uh, sense of of honor, and that kind of dictates his first move in killing his well. The, father, the man who killed his father and by taking that revenge he's stuck with all of the things that have got him into trouble he's given his word to get rid of Dovlaka and now he knows he has to stand up and take account for his actions and go ahead and lo and behold as you know like Manalan gave him all the gifts of the other world he just you know magics is way into the hill of uh, the hag of the hills magics her into a beautiful trap you know like yeah. it's just <laughs> yeah 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 and she's That's... up for it like it's great she's like yeah cool i'm gonna go to a party and look amazing and get laid happy days i like it's such a random little thought it's like oh, where am i going Fuck, i'll go to the hag of the hills <laughs> maybe but or... again this this is the kind of thing that maybe he maybe he's been plotting this all year maybe he's been thinking and this is this also one of the things that I think is really interesting about this story as well is the idea of like direct versus indirect power because mm. both Mongan and Dovlaka are are quite manipulative in the way that they go about doing things like they don't you know they don't they don't challenge people to fights they don't go to war they tell you what you want to hear and then they fuck you over when you're looking the other way both of them do it but it's like I think it's a really interesting thing that in 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 the modern world and in modern culture we often treat that kind of indirect exercise of power as like a bad thing uh we're very suspicious of it it's very coded feminine like it's it's very kind of seen as like women are manipulative and will like spin you around and make you do things you didn't think you wanted to do but this is a story where it's not 
coded by gender. It is just a different way of doing things. And actually, it's the smart way of doing things because it means you don't end up killing anybody and you don't get yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think there's an interesting little thing there as well about like how how different kinds of power are viewed and used in in Irish myth. But well, um, even like one of the, one of the smartest things he does, which is hilarious, is he gets a sod from Scotland and a sod from Ireland. He stands one foot. Like that's just brilliant. Like even if, you know, like to to eradicate any other magics that are going to be thrown at me, you know. Defense against druids, throw them off my scent. I, I, I read it. Yeah, I mean, I read it as like, um, this is a way of they're, they're going to look for me, and then they're going to go to Brandov, and they're going to tell him he has one foot in Ireland and one foot in Scotland, and Brandov is going to think, oh, well, he must be going. He must have gone away then. He must be on his way somewhere. He must have left. Or thinking no, about thinking Scotland, about, or just yeah, like does he, does he want to have a war with Scotland? Again, it's like it's a manipulation of of truth, and it's a manipulate. Like he's, you know, factually got one foot on on the side of Ireland, one foot of Scotland. Figuratively, that means a different thing. I'm not yeah. quite sure what it means, um, but yeah. I'm, sure it was, I'm sure it means it. It had enough of a meaning that, like, it was an expression that Brando would have immediately recognized and drawn a conclusion from. Um, and he, he, so he's he's able to manipulate the language. He's able to manipulate the 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 facts to make them seem like something else. Like this is a this is a this is a highly intelligent um, character. So it's, uh, it's kind of cool, but again, in that in that way, that is like very indirect. And he doesn't come to Leinster with the sword out. You know, the first time he doesn't come to Leinster, you know, beating down the door to what to 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 get let in. He comes to Leinster in disguise. Speaking of um, uh, hags, so there's there's two hags in this now, and I have a bit of a bone with Mangan. Whatever he does about killing his the man who killed his father, whatever whatever about the the, the, the priest, put the poor priest and your man is saying amen that he kills. I'll leave him off with that one. He doesn't no hag. He doesn't. No, kill he them. doesn't. He doesn't drown. Okay, so he, he, he almost did. He, he seemed very blasé about that. He asks Mackendove, should I kill them or not? And Mackendove said, you should kill them. And this is again another time when Mongan says, actually, I don't think I will. What he yeah, does do actually, is he sets the King of Leinster's army on them when they finally arrive and says, ah, that is Mongan in disguise. <laughs> and, but they don't die. They just get chased. And all of their the, the nine lads get killed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway some people that's get killed. Lenser. Any more Lenser people get killed. It's fine. Um, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean about the, I mean about the, the hag that's who's listening and going, oh, that's terrible. Oh, jeez, no, the, the clergy get enough. Oh no, that is terrible. And then <laughs> killing her, he just kills her. Like, kills her. oh, cold. That is cold. I mean. Yeah. It's again a strange relationship for people to have straight out hags to mistrust and not want them around. Wanna kill them? That's not yeah. much. Um, that particular hag is like not a nice hag. Not that she's a nice hag. It's that she's she's a Leinster hag. She's going to tell the King of Leinster what happens. Yeah. It's not the fact of her being a hag, it's the fact of her being a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, she saw everything that happened. Now, again, 
rather hilarious. Saw or heard? Well, I, that's not entirely clear. <laughs> she, she was sitting in the corner. <laughs> oh God! Imagine. Oh God! Confession in my parish. <laughs> Have you been here the whole time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man! Killed. <laughs> I mean, in that case, that's fair enough. Like, yeah. Wow, I just, I just swung and hit her. I didn't mean to chop right off. Whoa. Yeah, obviously, yeah, she, what would you do? It's just defense. I thought it was a witch. I don't know. Anyway, okay. She's a potential spy. <laughs> so, yeah, again, sticking with honor codes, honor codes. Um, so, I've, there's something that doesn't get wrapped up in this, and it's just one little thing that irked me. And it's like, hang on. Random conversation with the King of Leinster. What's his name again? Randolph. Everybody Brando, is so Brando. There's Dove Laka and there's Brando Somebody. and there's There's a lot of there's a lot of black haired people in this story. Yeah, it's such a weird like it's not all the names are so similar. It's kind of that makes it kind of hard to follow and like ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. um, like, Dove Laka hand, makes, When you're telling it, you only have to remember Dove, and then you have like four of the names, and it's fine. <laughs> Already forgotten the King of Lens's name. Um, so Devlaka promises to tell him that whenever she's longing for Mongan, so then he'll know whenever he's not there. Yeah. So does she does she do that? Does she tell him every day that she's longing for no but in wonder he goes off to Haggerty Hills. He wants you to say, yeah, I'm still longing for him. Yeah, today I'm still longing for him. For lunch, I'm still longing for him. Yeah, longing for him. I mean, this is this is an interesting one because it's kind of like, I think this is Brandov starting to cop on that these people are operating on another level. <laughs> and he's uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one over on Mongan and I know that you're not going to tell me when he's here because you've just told me that he, he has a right to be there. So you're not going to come running to me for that. So what about if you tell me when he's not here. Aha! And, like, I don't think she has any intention of doing it. I don't think she does it. Like, I think that's why it's not mentioned. I don't think she does it. I think she's like, well, I was going to lie to you about one thing, and now I'll just lie to you about something else, you dickhead. You know what I mean? Like, I just... Yeah, it's it's a very funny one for me. Again, I, for some reason, I think everybody in this is it's a little, like... I don't know, kind of 90210, bear with me. Um, everybody's kind of young, like really uh, in their prime youthfully and very and yet, ironically, but yet a super old reference. <laughs> I know, right? I thought, I thought you'd like it. I thought you'd like it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it also, that's why parallels because in the little time snap that, that, that program is. There, have, uh, there know, have been no teen dramas since then, obviously. It, it, this damn story seems like a teen drama. I wasn't a teenager every other time, okay? Leave me alone. Shut up. I missed it, all right? I saw it too. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. I, I know pop culture. Shut up. <laughs> That's also super. Skins. Skins with Ellie. Ah, it's, damn it. That's only about 20 years old. That's cool. Yeah. Ah, shut up. I don't watch TV. <laughs> What was my question? Oh, yeah. I don't know. You were talking about it being like a teen drama. And I was laughing at the fact that you haven't watched a teen drama since the early 90s. In fairness, I don't think I have. 
in fairness. Um, but anyway, my point was, yeah, everyone seems super young in this. And the, this king seems to kind of go like, yeah, I can do a smart one over you. you whenever you, you are longing for him, uh-huh, then you got to tell me, yeah, I got one. <laughs> Take that for a plot twist. And it never comes back to him because it wasn't plot twist because you need it. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was just really stupid. It was like, I feel like you'll lie about telling me when he's here. So tell me when he's not. Uh, no, man. If she's going to lie about one thing, she's going to lie about the other thing too. This is not a fact. You're not, this, you're not as good at this as you think you are. No. Which is kind of not. like, I think there's, I think, you know, Brandov, certainly in that regard, and in his his behavior in the final act is does not come off as the brightest penny um in the fountain but still he he massively gets one over on mongan in the beginning hmm. and there's a kind of a like again mongan hasn't been around uh he doesn't know the relationships between people we don't know if Brandov and Dovlaka have ever met before, we don't know why he's obsessed with her. We don't know if they've like, have they had an interaction? Has he seen her? Has he heard of her? Like he's very set on getting her, but there's no kind of backstory to that. And like, did he plan this? Does he know well, that Mongan likes white cows with red ears? Or is he an again? It's just kind it's, of. It seems to have a little theme running through it of possessiveness. And, you know, Mangan starts it all off as a kind of his first mistake in wanting to own and possess these cows. And then you constantly get this young, well, in my mind anyway, young, foolish, foolardy king who's trying to just get the prettiest girl in his sight so he can have a pretty wife. And so he just falls for that twice. And like he, he really strong arms the first go, and then uh, is just tricked out of it. But like again, he show me your the nicest friendship. He's like a spoiled brat on her own. And going, you know, I'll just come up and attack you. So now I want your wife uh, or that girl, and I want her now. And it's just this little really childish, and that's maybe why I think the two kings yeah. are very youthful. Is because sixteen is is mentioned and they only act like teenagers. They only act incredibly maturely. So there's no way they could possibly be, I hope, but, you know, possibly naive. I mean, uh, it's it's often kind of hard to tell. Um, but yeah, oh, sorry, that was clicky noise. Um, I was trying to take a screenshot because apparently we're buffering like crazy on YouTube. So sorry about that if anybody's trying to watch. Um, Moved. Oh. I moved inside to see if that would uh, if that would help the screen the stream quality, but I don't think it is. Uh, but yeah, no, I think you're right about I think you're right about um, the immaturity of Brandov certainly, and and it's not clear if that's because he is also young or if like some people don't really grow out of that. Yeah, you know. Sure. I sure. want the prettiest one. It's not, but yeah, I, I agree with you that it's it's a highly immature, immature response of like, you've got the best one and I want that one. And there's also I, like, maybe it, it like, this is the kind of thing where you're like, is this more about Mongan than it is about the girl with Mongan? Like, right, who are you jealous of, buddy? You know, mm. it's, it's, it's weird. Um, yeah, it is weird. It is weird. And, and I guess, interestingly, because the very, quite the way it's phrased, and I, 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 I 
assume this is a direct uh, quote, or else it's just one of your lovely turns of phrase, is how Mangan then decides to go back and get Dovlaka uh, for himself without endangering any of the woman's sons of Ulster. And no woman's son of Ulster will die for his call because, yeah. again, it's just to bring in his respect and regard for women in this context mm. is a beautiful way of actually painting it because he's doing this for himself and for a woman, but it's the, the integrity of what seemed like a very fractured society to start with two kings, one killing themselves and having kind of some form of cohesion and showing, even in that sentence, to summarize the, the sons and daughters, the um, mothers yeah. and their children, you know. And that's a good point. And I think that that's kind of, you know, that is something that was in the in the direct translation that he's he's talking about. No mother's son of Ulster will die. Um, but I think it's interesting as well in terms of the way that Brandov has this very objectified view of women that Mongan doesn't seem to share. Mm. Like Brandov, you know, he's he's like, give me your wife for a herd of cows, which like genuinely does not seem to have occurred to Mongan as being a thing that somebody would ask. Um, possibly because he doesn't think of women as cows. <laughs> but like Brandov does. Brandov is someone who's like, you gave, I gave you my best possession and your wife is your possession, so give her to me. And, and it's, a, it's, again, in terms of like clash of culture and worldview. Um, Mongan is trying to get her back, but he's also, he doesn't talk about her in those terms. And he doesn't seem to relate to her in those terms as like his possession. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly not, certainly not. Um, yeah, it's just a nice little contrast in that, and, mm. and then I just love that 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 way of summarizing a people's, you know, just a group of people that are that are all children of, uh, or I don't know, just like. And you're right, and I think that that's a real kind of like, it's a real sign of a king who is coming into his kingship because he's starting to see his people as people he needs to protect and he's starting to wake up to the fact to the fact that this isn't about this isn't just about honor codes and behaving in the right way and you know giving people gifts that there's also an element of this that is that is about protecting and about you know being a guardian to your people being a father to your people like there's there's a whole kind of there's a whole lot of other stuff in this that I think he 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 starts to see by the end of this story. And like, this is young Mongan. This is very young Mongan. Um, there hmm. are a couple of other Mongan stories. There's not that many of them. Um, oh. I found one. Really? When I was researching this. Yeah, and it's a funny, it's a little one. It's a little one um, where he gets in an argument with a satirist over where a particular high king is buried. And uh, they... The satirist is furious that this king of Ulster has contradicted him um, and says that he's going to put a satire on him and uh, get him kicked out unless Mongan gives him his wife, uh, who has a different name in this story, so I don't know if it's still Devlaka or if it's somebody else. And Mongan's response is, hang on, somebody is coming and he's in Cork. Hold on now, he's in, he's in Cashel. And like narrates over the next while where this person is until finally it's like he's at the gate 
And then in walks a warrior who tells them the story of how the king died and brought them to the place where it happens and then reveals that he himself has created Macronon of the Fianna and he came back to back up Mongan's story. Which is kind of like, there's a nice little, there's that little link between Mongan and Fionn McCool, like that he's covered in hair when he's born and so was, and, and so was Fionn. And like, it's another little link where Quinton McGronon like shows up from the other world to testify and go, I killed that king. It was here. He's right. You are wrong. Poet man. Uh, and it's a story that I kind of decided not to do in the podcast, but I, I was sort of like, that'd be great live because it'd be a lovely way of kind of building suspense of being like, there's somebody coming. <laughs> um, miles away and now he's 50 miles away. You know, like, because the speed of it as well. Creature. It just seemed like yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. I, I mean, we got, a, we got a shock of like how much we miss live shows uh, recently listening to um, the, a, a live recording from a show before we did uh, our, our first virtual release last night it was actually yeah. for the Galway Fringe Festival and we um, recorded the Sons of Tyr and listened back to a live show I was telling us and it was just oh man like I mean in fairness you and I spent 20 minutes on stage before we even started the story not 20 10 Five and a half. Mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe seven. I don't know, Aaron. It was maybe a long seven. time. <laughs> it was a long post-show. Um, pre-show. Pre-show. Pre- yeah, pre- it was a long pre-show. Um, this is the post-show. Of, of BS. Ramble. Well, well speaking of other... You could hear us do it because one of us would kind of go, all right, it's time to start the show now. And then the other one would be like, no, I have another joke. <laughs> Everybody's going to laugh. And then, and then the everyone is go, in great well, form. I want to tell a joke because I want to get the last laugh. <laughs> oh man, it was so much fun. Um, and speaking of so much fun, it was uh, it was great fun to kind of do a, a virtual storytelling thing. I'm, I think we might have broken Oshin. Sorry, Oshin. Um, yeah, for the, a lot of editing. Uh, yeah, I was, we we're trying to do it the simple way as well. Like, I don't know. Anyway, thanks, Oshin. <laughs> You're awesome. Um, and we've been contacted a few a few times in this strange and weird uncertain time where we can't really definitely book gigs, where we start off as a booking company, basically doing live shows uh, and being booked in festivals, whatever. No, that's going on. But Dara Murphy got in contact with us recently asking us, could we do live Zoom shows for a team building exercise? Yes, we can. And we're doing that. Yeah. So uh, there are other ones that have gotten contact with us recently. Curtis Seamus, thank you very much for calling out to us as well. This is a quick recap on a few messages we got uh, because I think uh, I just want to mention fair play to C- Curtis Seamus who came home recently and set up his own business doing yurts and stuff out in uh, like the West. I'll try and share the details after this. The message won't load because it's being weird. But uh, fair play, Curtis. online to me. Probably. And, you know, just delighted that people are actually using this time and have been able to use this time in certain some circumstances to get stuff up and going. And, you know, it's, it takes a bit of motivation, but fair play. A lot of people are reassessing what's going on in their lives. And it's it's big, big, bad, mean questions that people are having to ask themselves. I think it's fucking amazing what some people are doing. And we love getting re- reached out to, like some people have been. Uh, I just want to read one message from Nula92. Uh, it's really, really lovely. I think it sums it up nicely what I'm trying to say. Uh, hey, guys, I just wanted to message you and say how much 
and I'm, I love the amazing work you're doing. You have no idea how much joy and entertainment you bring. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I found your podcast just before lockdown and they've been a big part of my um, lockdown time since. I'm a nurse working in an emergency department in Northern Ireland and to say it's been stressful is an understatement. I only qualified last year. So being being thrown into a pandemic during my first year of nursing has been a whirlwind. I'm so thankful for my days off. And usually those evenings, uh, I light a candle, a scented candle, listen to one of your stories and paint in my living area. I finally reached episode 49 in Spotify and can't wait for the live chat tomorrow. Thank you again for uh, all that you do. So thank you, Nula, for messaging us. Yeah. I thought that was just really lovely. Um, and I think that's just fucking... She, her time's off she's painting and listening to stories Nula you know we're kindred spirits in that one thank you very much for messaging us and thanks for tuning in whenever you do get to listen to this chat and um, that's kind of all from us now right yeah that's it so uh, this week's podcast will be told by Aaron oh yeah what story are you telling Nile of the Nine Hostages uh, yeah so no, I'll, and that'll be the next. And I think there'll be a little uh, excerpt played now after this, even. So stay, stay tuned. I, to hear little, I think well, in the post show chat, I mean, when it's done, not live right now. We're live right now. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, <laughs> stay tuned for the excerpt from Night of the Nine Hostages, which will be coming up. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you again next week. That's what it, we can just edit this out afterwards, right? <laughs> I mean, I always say that and then I never actually do. So, you know. I will see if I'm arsed to do this. We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> that is the question. Thanks, guys. Here you are. Thanks, Erica. Here you are. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Candlelit Tales. And for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales playlist for kids, Candlelit Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can ship in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We would really like to hear back from you with any questions you may have. So please drop us a line or leave your question in the comment section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories out there, share them with as many people as possible. And so anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we especially appreciate you listening. Oki Mogmedan was the king of Ireland, an unsettled Ireland at this time. Feuds, wars, invasions were the trials of any good king, but Oki Magmedan weathered them better than most, in that he wasn't killed and managed to keep some semblance of...